It's the Progress Pod, a production of the Franklin County Coalition for Progress. I'm Pete Mazzoni with Jeremy Kate. In Pennsylvania and around the country, unemployment levels are at record lows. At the same time, however, wages remain stagnant, and this trend makes for a growing population of working families struggling to afford necessities and pay their bills. In Franklin County, 30% of our households fall into this category. The United Way of Pennsylvania has recently launched a statewide data project called ALICE, which stands for Asset Limited, Income Constrained, Employed. The ALICE report tells the story of these workers and seeks to find a way forward out of this cycle. On today's show, we'll talk about the ALICE report with representatives from the United Way of Franklin County. I'm going to go ahead and have you guys introduce yourselves. We'll start with you, Kim. Hi, I'm Kim Kreider. I am on the board of directors at United Way, and I'm also the current campaign chair for this year's campaign. I'm Amy Hicks. I'm executive director with United Way of Franklin County. My name is also Amy. My name is Amy Wibley. I am the communications and community impact director for United Way. Thank you all. Amy, could you define what asset limited means? Yeah, so part of that acronym that creates ALICE, asset limited and income constrained basically means that there, there's no savings to fall back on. There's no safety net, no backup plan. Um, the individuals that fall within this particular ALICE framework uh, don't have something like savings to fall back on. Um, income constrained means that they're their income is limited to a point where making a basic budget framework is very difficult, if not nearly impossible. And just to expand on the survival budget, in addition to identifying um, the budgets for different categories, which are the main categories, housing, childcare, food, transportation, health care, technology, taxes, and then there's a miscellaneous that includes everything else. Um, it's also broken down specific to households. So Alice is determined that when we're talking about that 30%, that's 30% of households. Thank you, Amy. And that's so right. it takes it down to households varying from a single adult to two adults, one infant, one preschooler. So it takes in the size of the household as well as the age of any children that are in that household because we know that affects the budget. Mm -hmm. And this is not age-based in any sense. We could be talking about an older population or a younger population. Absolutely. So it's it's inclusive. In terms of... uh, demographics it's very inclusive you could have a you've got a senior population that's represented here Um, it it crosses every demographic describer and we're talking about people who are fully employed correct 40 hours or more a week it's not because fully employed really has a, a varying degree in our community. So in some instances, 32 hours a week is considered right. fully yeah, sure employed. We have some so, of that. Mm-hmm. so there's some leeway there. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but yes, the population described in here is employed population. We wouldn't be necessarily looking at seasonal or, or part-time. Yeah. yeah. And it is at least one... Uh, adult is working in the household. So it doesn't mean if there's two adults, they both have to work. At least one, there has to be some kind of earned income from the household, from somebody working. So the study is done. You've accumulated all the data. You're looking at all the information. What next? So 
basically the data is what we're working with, what we're doing right now, which is the next step. We're holding community conversations to better understand where our community is right now in relation to the Alice population. Okay. So working with nonprofits around the community, industry around the community, county government providers, learning about how they're interacting um, in ways that support Alice or what we can do to better support Alice through the programs that already exist mm -hmm. or by identifying where we have gaps and things don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the real project will lead us is in terms of identifying where gaps exist now, what we can do to better integrate services to make things work better. Um, because we're dealing with this, particularly looking at an employed population, sometimes the deployment of services um, affects employment or the ability to, it's, it's hard to show up for work and run to providers at the same time. Right, right. Off, we're often, all of us make decisions about whether to go to the doctor during a day or, mm -hmm. or wait till the weekend or evening hours to make a visit or take the time off of work. And so in terms of people looking for services, how are we deploying services how can people reach those services that are working? Um, how can we better bring services together to meet the needs of people that live here? How busy is United Way locally? Oh, crazy busy. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest um, to that. <laughs> yeah, it's um, our, our office hops. Uh, we're small. Uh, we currently have uh, four full-time employees and one part-time. And... Um, some of our team is involved directly in program delivery, uh, work that we're doing out of the office. Um, we're out in community meetings all day. People come through our doors looking for help, and so it's trying to connect people to the help they need sometimes. Um, but I don't think we have a, a boring day at all. <laughs> no, we don't. And one myth that we like to dispel, too, is that we are 100% local. You know, we may have the United Way brand, which is, of course, a worldwide brand, but we focus 100% on Franklin County and the services that serve our residents here. What are some of the programs and services you provide? So I'll start with kind of our buckets of services, programs that provide early learning experiences. Um, we're actually working now to launch a Born Learning Academy that uh, we're hoping to get off the ground this fall with the Waynesboro School District where we will have sessions in place later this fall for families to attend at Waynesboro um, at, the, at the school buildings. Um, at the same time, we're funding programs within Head Start, uh, Waynesboro Daycare Center, Penn Cares, which provides a, um, it's called the Peachtree Learning Center. and. Um, it, it provides a learning environment for, for kids uh, with varying uh, levels of ability, and it's an integrated classroom, is what it's called. So, um, integrating what kind of what kind of children? Are we talking about like learning disabilities, or could be um, or could be a physical challenge that um, provide that requires particular care. They've got the ability to provide. Um, specific care as needed and um, so brings kids together in preparation for school and so that's one of the programs that we're supporting um, 
We also provide scholarships to a number of child care centers in the community. We do that through EITC funding. Um, what so is EITC funding? Oh, good question. Um, it's the um, Education Improvement Tax Credit. So companies are able to provide scholarship funds as a donation. We're able to then um, scholarship seats in pre-K classrooms. Now those pre-K classrooms have to meet curriculum standards at the local schools, so there's a relationship with the local school districts to make that happen. Um, but then we're able to specifically provide seats for children in those centers. And with yeah. EITC, um, it comes from the company's tax taxes that they are already going to pay, but they have the option to designate up to a certain portion locally to make sure those taxes will stay local. So this is one of the programs, the EITC pre-K scholarship that companies can contribute to to keep their do dollars local. Well, and we ensure is, that, is that it all stays local. Is that an easy sell or a hard sell? It's the program is an easy sell. The tough part for a company is they have to qualify through the state to become a, um, a donor for this. Sounds like and there's paperwork. a little bit of, it's a little bit of paperwork, but, <laughs> um, but definitely worthwhile. And um, I, I don't think it's the, the paperwork is unreasonable for what it is. It's, it's very doable, and that's something we can help with as needed. <laughs> How important is daycare? to working families. Oh my goodness, that's probably, if not the number one factor for families, it is close to the top in terms of factors families contend with. Um, for most families, in order for one or both parents to work, there has to be child care yeah. in place. It has to be reliable child care. And you want your child in a place where you know they're safe and well taken care of while you're at work. Child care is expensive. It is expensive. It's and expensive. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Expensive for the family when they're in need of the service, and it's expensive for the providers to maintain a quality that allows them to perform the service, be licensed, and be recognized as a quality provider. Um, our child care provider, when we talk about the Alice population, um, child care providers are vulnerable to being part of that population because you don't go into child care to make money. It's not a model that is easy to sustain right. as an industry. Right. So, um, so child care is a huge factor. And that's one, of, that's one of the areas, as an example, where we're spending a lot of time looking for ways to help build the industry, to help bring more providers into our market because there's not enough child care available that uh, that is accessible for families and at the same time helping identify ways to immediately connect families mm -hmm. so th there's a lot of work to be done there sure and Kim, you're oh sorry go ahead I was just going to add to that if sure. I can go ahead um, one of the things I think that the Alice data has helped us do is create have those small community conversations which allows us to educate the different areas in the community, whether that's nonprofit that, you know, they might not see the childcare portion, or if it's a, uh, an employer that they might not understand the costs involved with certain things. So it's been really great having those community conversations because I think it's allowed um, everybody to see where they fit in and, and what kinds of um, uh, change or ideas they can bring to the table. 
That's exactly it, Kim. In terms of the ALICE project, this is where our work is right now and where it's been through the better part of this summer are in the conversations with community members. And if you have a group of people in a room, which we have, that are all focused on housing, but they're focused on housing from different perspectives. So a realtor is going to have a different perspective than somebody that works for, say, um, a housing provider in the human uh, health and human services industry. County government is going to have a different perspective in terms of housing, but they are involved in a big way because they fund a lot of the housing projects that happen. How does that work? They are the ones... In, in many cases that receive the federal grant money to then trickle down to our level and then send out to local projects. And, and they're in a great position to see what needs to be done. Um, but at, at the same time, and they often are calling uh, community partners like United Way to participate in conversations when they're working on how they're going to handle those funds because we can bring expertise from our area and there are other uh, human service providers that lend to those conversations and other community members. Sure. But um, I think it's allowing some puzzle pieces to come together. That's exactly it. The, so where where we are with the project right now, having conversations with people from different industries and different segments of communities, helping bring puzzle pieces together. It's a great way of putting it so that we can see a larger view of the issues we're dealing with because housing in of itself you know, I said childcare in terms of a working family is probably the one the biggest challenge but housing is a huge challenge for a lot of families um, what is the status of affordable housing in Franklin County there's not enough, not enough. Okay. <laughs> there's just not enough um, and not enough quality either, where you have yes. quality landlords or quality um, providers that are giving spaces that are truly livable to if, be within. If you look at the budget thresholds uh, as established within the ALICE framework and then try to shop for an apartment within those thresholds, you're going to experience a lot of frustration. Mm -hmm. and, and to give an example, I think, would be helpful because this floored me to see two adults and two school-aged children and the housing budget would be $848 a month and the survival budget. Mm -hmm, yeah. That includes utilities. And it, there again, that's based on urban development statistics for our area and what affordable housing rates are supposed to be in our area, but good luck to a family trying to achieve this. Right. And, and what we're saying is the Alice population would fall under this budget strictly. So they're not earning enough to be above that threshold. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the population we're describing. And basically what we're doing is bringing out the challenges and having the conversations around what the challenges are. How do we help families get past these challenges? Because if we want families to thrive in this community, we have to help them figure out these challenges. Um, typically, when you're describing the Alice population, they're doing a lot of problem solving themselves already. Yeah. To survive in this community, they're already doing everything that they can to, to thrive. But if you have a vehicle breakdown, if you have a health matter come up within the family, or really anything unexpected that throws your ordinary expenses out of whack even just a little, that will then that you are in trouble. Yeah. yeah. So looking at this survival budget, 
as you were mentioning, Kim, you know, two adults, two school-aged children, uh, they would need to be at an annual total of $47,000 a year. Right. Now that, now, that describes what specifically? That is the minimum they would need to survive? That's, uh, yes, that's using the, using the budget items within the framework. That's what the items would add up to. That's what they need to make to be able to make this budget. 30% of our community households Doesn't fall under those numbers. Yeah. There's, there's our challenge. And we're not saying one adult in the household, it, you know, if it's a two-adult household, um, it could be two adults adding up to that figure and, in theory, making it. That doesn't mean it's comfortable. Right. Um, I they, think, they're still making hard choices about right. their budgets. But at least we can say they make that bare-bones budget. Mm-hmm. Now, Kim, you're uh, on the Chamber of Commerce and talking with the business community, you know, what kind of feedback do you get from them about these kinds of numbers and working, the working poor in Franklin County? My experience so far is that everybody has been fairly positive in that they're aware that there are challenges and they're willing to come to the table listen to other uh, folks, uh, whether that's feedback or um, constructive criticism or um, or spirited debate uh, about different areas within within these survival budgets. I think Amy hit on it earlier where you might have a group of people that are all working with housing or all working with health care, but they start to see how they all fit together. And so... For me, on my end, it's been a fairly positive experience. I think uh, creating this environment for the small conversations has allowed people to um, the time to to absorb a lot of this because it's a lot of data to to look at at once. We've had you guys, <laughs> We've been especially in for several months, several now. <laughs> months. So it's it's a lot to take in. So um, I think. I, I just wrote about this, actually. One of the things that I am most proud of um, coming out of my chamber chair role is having a bird's eye view of the community. And it is a caring community. And I think the Alice data in particular is starting to create a framework that people can say, okay, now I, I see the big picture and we can start working together uh, and, and creating some some change and solution. So mm-hmm. for the most part, for me, it's been a positive experience. Tell us about some of the spirited debate. What was it about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think everybody, when they're within their own industry, mm-hmm. it's easy to lose sight of um, how other folks might interact with your industry and or work within your industry. You know, anytime we have information, we are where we are. We know what we know. And so when we start to get new information, we have to take time to integrate that. And I think some of the spirited debates are quite simply seeing this information for the first time and trying to integrate that into your own thought processes, how that fits in for you personally, how that fits into your industry. Uh, I don't know if you guys would agree with that or, or I do think uh, the when the budget when the the budgets the framework stands by itself and and people take an initial look there there's typically a piece of it that that they take home that they own in one way or another whether it's comfortable or not and so then it's thinking about the data and we're very lucky at United Way because we 
we're able to provide a space where people are willing to come together and think about that framework and the larger picture and, and have very honest conversations, very candid conversations, but at the same time um, dissect pieces mm -hmm. and find a place where change might be possible. Mm -hmm. And that's where we come into the picture is opening the door for those conversations where a change might be possible. And or uh, uh, the bringing together of two entities that haven't didn't realize they were working right, on the they same thing. Talking before. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are do you have a grasp on where the Alice population is employed? In terms of industry sectors, and it honestly it crosses the gamut because in most industries, even if it's an industry that has a reputation for being a well-paid industry there's a ladder that has to be climbed and there's usually, let's say, a 10-year window where people are climbing that ladder. Um, when you're in an entry-level position in almost any industry, working your way up mm -hmm. into um, what might be a management position or a supervisory position or even um, that skilled technician as a skilled technician, you can earn a better salary. As a, a manager supervisor, you can earn a, a better salary. But when you're working your way up to there, there's typically yeah, a, a window. Some time. And sure. so that's one area where across all industries, mm -hmm. we, uh, we know there are challenges. And it's how do we help people bridge while they're making that climb? Or how do we help them make that climb? That might involve training. And um, so... You offer vocational training? We United actually ones? do through United Way. What kind um, of training? Ours, we're, we've been in it, what, four years five now? Five years. years. Um, so we offer training into the logistics industry, which would be our warehousing industry. We offer CNA training, entry level into the healthcare. We have offered HVAC, HVAC sure. and electric. Um, we offer office administration. We're preparing, we hope this winter, to offer machining. Mm -hmm. um, so a number of different vocational tracks. Um, Those are good paying trades. Yeah. Uh, once you get in the door mm -hmm. and you start, but there, there's a climbing window within most of those as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we're hoping by providing the training, we're helping sort of fast track some individuals to get their foot in the door, prove themselves, and move up. Sure. And... Um, like I said, across a service industry, people we see every day and lost, most of us depend on, whether it's dropping a child at um, childcare, whether it's um, a parent or, or someone in your family being cared at a skilled nursing facility, mm -hmm. whether it's transactions you make throughout your day, uh, retail or banking, or, and then you move into some of our manufacturing entry right. level. It crosses the gamut of industry. What did you learn from the study about how the Alice population interacts with healthcare? Healthcare is a challenge because of affordability. Sure. And I think one of the climates, and, and this is one we're still sort of trying to deal with, but I think everyone is, um, the picture of healthcare is changing so dramatically and has changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so where if you went back in time 10 years uh, most of the working population had an insurance plan that they could count on for, and that has shifted. 
And I don't think it, it's the kind of thing that we have to figure out how to move forward right. as individuals and employers and community because I don't think it's going to go back to the way it was. No, it's not. <laughs> and you talk about, you know, this population can't really withstand big hits. I mean, healthcare is Healthcare's can the 800-pound gorilla in the room. One interesting thing we've learned through starting some of these community conversations um, and talking about these kind of when emergencies come up, whether they're health related or other big expenses, if there's, you know, sudden change in family makeup where you get divorced or a separation happens or, you know, somebody passes away in the family, that creates huge financial burdens. One thing we've found out is one of the ways that people are work in this population are working to pay for those big circumstances is they um, have GoFundMes online. So they do crowdfunding online yeah. to try and raise money, which then not always realizing that they get a portion taken away from what they raise. Um, plus, that's not stable. You know, you can't rely on your savings being other people helping the if an emergency strangers, comes up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's one thing that really has come to light that I've noticed in these conversations is just not only can they not pay their month-to-month bills, but they don't have any room for savings. They don't have any room to build any assets. And so truly, if something unexpected comes up, even if their tire breaks and they need to afford a new tire, they can't do that. So mm-hmm. then they lose their transportation. How are they going to get to work? Mm-hmm. How are they going to keep earning money? Right. And do the studies show that these populations are reliable employees? In other words, they get in a job and they stay in a job, or does it show something different? Actually, I think because we're looking at a study that moves across all demographies, it doesn't break down whether someone is a reliable employee or not, (laughs) but I think it's, it's safe to assume that this population is representative of any room you would encounter. I asked that question because with record unemployment levels being so low in this community, I think it would behoove the business community to pay people a living wage. So they're not looking around, where else can I go? I need another dollar fifty an hour. You know, if they've been at that job ten years, I would think the business community would say, I want you to keep staying at this job. Do, does the business community, do they have any awareness of what some of their employees are going through in terms of not, me, not making budgets and just barely getting through it? That's been some of the awareness that has been raised through this. At the same time, some of the businesses, as we entered the community with this study, were already aware and trying to contend with it within their doors. I was surprised with some of our early conversations employers would say, I employ Alice, and I'm not sure how to get them across the threshold to Mm -hmm. sustainable. In some cases, giving someone a wage increase actually put them in a worse position because they no longer were eligible for some sort of benefit that would be provided through state. Isn't that the eternal problem, (laughs) that gap that has to be closed? There's a gap. That's exact. And so you have employers that they get excited, they're promoting someone, they're increasing their wages, and then the employee leaves because they, or they ask not to receive the benefit. They'll say, please don't take me up. It's not enough. It doesn't make up up the difference. Exactly. And no employer wants to hear that. And particularly one that wants a long-term relationship with that employee. Of course. And I think that's what this ALICE data helps us to explain is that 
benefits cliff, that gap between being able to receive assistance and truly being able to pay for your basic needs, for your family, for your household. Um, so that's definitely part of the conversation that we're having within these community conversations. Mm-hmm. How does Franklin County stack up? We are actually doing very, we're in a good position in terms of being able to work with this. We are one in, in Pennsylvania. We have one of the lowest four thresholds of Alice. This wow. is something that surprised. I was very pleasantly That's surprised. great to hear. Because it puts us in a good working position. Yeah. Um, Chester County, Butler County, and Allegheny County. Chester and Butler are extremely close in terms of Alice threshold to where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's slight difference in terms of the number of people actually in the federal poverty level. Um, but the Alice threshold is right where we are. When we started having local conversations, particularly with people that had worked in other regions and have come to Franklin County, um, there was a lot of agreement. This is a great place to be working on this issue. This is a great place for a number of reasons. Uh, We're very fortunate to have the ability to collaborate in our community at the level we do. Working through United Way, I can tell you, every sector is willing to come to the table in ways you'd be surprised by. People are very open to having conversations about how to make this community better. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, we've got people working, community leaders that are very thoughtful about how to improve the community, so it helps us. That's great to hear. I- I'm really glad to hear that, that your efforts are rewarded with a community that wants to help people literally pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you all so much for coming on the show. I especially want to thank you for the work you're doing. I think it's important work. This community is kind of unseen and unheard for most of us. So thanks for what you've done and thanks for what you're doing and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us here. Can I just mention if anybody's interested in looking at this data, you can (laughs) access it on our website. That's uwfcpa.org slash Alice. We've got the full report there, but also the data specific to Franklin County available online. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you all.